Good morning, everyone. I'm delighted to finally be able to give this talk, having been admitted to hospital the day before I was due to give it a few weeks ago, leaving Sam completely in the lurch, not that you would have known. Thank you for praying for me then. Uh, as you see, I'm fully recovered. This is the start of a series in which we examine the role of doubt in the life of a Christian. The experiences of biblical characters show us that doubt actually pushes believers towards a deeper understanding of faith. They're not opposites. Let's not be ashamed of doubt, but authentically own it and talk about it. Even those who lived closely with Jesus experienced doubt. And I believe he totally gets it when we struggle to understand the mysteries of faith. For a while now, I've been wondering why we so often seem to doubt our hope of heaven. I've rarely heard a sermon or a Bible study on it. We rarely talk to our friends about it until they're facing death, and often not even then. It seems to me that we Christians are okay to talk about the resurrection, but we seem to stay quiet on the subject of heaven. Perhaps because it's because we think it's presumptuous to assume that we're going there. Perhaps we're avoiding facing the necessary step of death that we need to take first. Perhaps we earthlings can't get our heads around the mystery and wonder awaiting us. Perhaps we struggle to believe in somewhere that we just can't place. My late mother was talking to a friend about her hope of heaven just before she died, when her non-believing friend said, well, Gladys, where is heaven? My mum was completely thrown. What would you have said? Can we have hope in something that we can't locate? It's worth acknowledging our doubts as we join the disciples this morning, expressing theirs. I've definitely been thinking more about heaven in recent years, and today's Bible passage has become very precious to me. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will open it up to all of us in a new way this morning, so that we can feel not just a hope, but a deep longing, an expectancy welling up within us as we explore these verses. Let's not deprive ourselves of the anticipation of the best that is yet to be. Friends, we're going to see the King, the one who loves us more than any human love can ever get close to. When you go on holiday to an exceptional destination, part of the experience is the build-up. Buying a lonely planet guide. Do people still do this? 
looking at photos online, discovering the wildlife, the history, the culture, and even booking adventures before you leave. I know Alice did. You start imagining yourself there. Yet heaven is the destination beyond anything we can ever experience on earth. It's where our pilgrimage ends. It's our home with a capital H. That's why I want to briefly explore what Helen Keller called God's beautiful somewhere and what Jesus called my father's house. If you want a lonely planet guide to heaven, the Bible is it. Heaven is mentioned about 700 times throughout the Bible and in 44 of the 66 biblical books. Why are we so reluctant to feel confident and energized by the hope awaiting us? The main reason we can be confident about the reality of heaven is because Jesus himself told us a lot about it, having been there himself. Indeed, he prayed movingly in John 15 for us to be there with him. He told us to lay up treasures there rather than on earth. That it's the place of eternal life with God after we depart this world. That it's our true home, a place of complete safety, rest and peace, as well as perfect communion with our Creator, Saviour and Lord where there is no more suffering and no more death. Complete shalom. Hallelujah. But not only is Jesus preparing it for us, but he's also preparing us for it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are being conformed to his image, often through suffering here on earth. Friends, if you feel you are in the refiner's fire right now and life is hard, realize that you are being prepared for something very exceptional. Take hold of the hope of heaven. The best is yet to be. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, wrote David in Psalm 23, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My Father's house. Today, I'm choosing not to look at the symbols and pictures of heaven found in Ezekiel and Revelation, but just to concentrate on what Jesus says in these amazing few verses from John 14. Interestingly, Jesus said little about where it is. He simply referred to heaven as my father's house. He revealed in the words of this chapter that heaven is a real place and that it is the dwelling place of God. And if the dwelling place of God, then the dwelling place of love. Tim Keller, a well-respected pastor from New York, said this just before he died recently. If I know there is love on the other side of death, I can face it. 
if I know there is infinitely greater love, I can really face it. So let's join the troubled disciples listening to Jesus in the Bible passage that Carissa read from John 14. Like us, they were struggling to get their heads round what Jesus was saying. And Peter had already asked the question that Thomas asks again. And the question that we all want answered, Jesus, how do we know the way to where you're going? Can you feel the love, comfort, and reassurance in Jesus' reply? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you and you and you and you and you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also might be with me where I am. Now, this explanation would have made much more sense to those living in the Jewish culture of Jesus' time than it does to us. Because when a Jewish couple got engaged, a betrothal contract was sealed. The couple confirmed their covenant by drinking a cup of wine, after which the groom went away to prepare a place for his bride, often a dwelling or room built on the side of his father's house, while the bride focused on her personal preparations, wedding garments, lamps, etc. Although the bride knew to expect her groom back after about a year, she didn't know the exact time or hour. No text messages in those days. He could come earlier. It was the father of the bridegroom who gave the final approval for him to return to collect his bride. For that reason, the bride kept her oil lamps ready at all times, just in case the groom arrived in the night and sounded his shofar to lead the bridal procession to the home he had prepared for her. Friends, the way to heaven is set in a love relationship of trust between me and my bridegroom, Jesus, that starts now. Indeed, didn't we just remind ourselves of it as we took communion just now? For those who have discovered the transforming friendship of Jesus, there will be a moment when he himself comes to take us home, to the place he has prepared, attached to his father's house. The Lord of heaven and earth, the lover of our souls, comes himself. No one knows when that will be. Our times are in his hands. But unlike the disciples in John 14, who hadn't yet seen the cross and resurrection, we can hold hope 
because he has made a covenant of love with us through his death on the cross and his rising in glory, something that we remember each time we take communion. Yes, he is the only one who's ever been there and come back to tell us. No wonder we sing, when Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. It's all about a relationship with Jesus that's real now. Am I learning to trust him? To depend on him? To hear his voice? And to believe that he loves me enough to forgive the stuff I can't forgive myself by taking away my sin on the cross? Folks, it starts now. Let's not put it off. None of us know the hour that he will come to take us home. Today is the time to respond to his invitation and start trusting, really trusting, that he has my eternal future in his hands. I recently needed a lift to a dear friend's funeral and wasn't sure of the way. Simon and his wife, Rowie, offered me a lift in their car. I have a long-standing friendship with Simon. He's even here this morning. And totally trusted him to have researched the route and worked out the timings. So when the day came, I was ready and watching out for him when he picked me up. I got in his car completely confident that he would take me to the funeral. I wasn't sure exactly where it was, but he knew, or his sat-nav knew, so it didn't matter. I could relax. But if I'd asked someone I didn't know to take me, or tried to get there on my own, I might never have made it. My experience of Simon's trustworthy friendship gave me the confidence to believe I'd get there. When Thomas told Jesus that he didn't know the way to where he was going, the answer was not a direction, but a relationship. Not a direction, but a relationship. It wasn't head, it was heart. I am the way, the truth, and the life, said Jesus. No one comes to the Father but through me. Only he knows the way to the Father's house. Jesus himself will come and take us. So as I close, friends, the invitation to the Father's house is for everyone. For God so loved the world, John tells us, that he gave his Son that whoever believes on him will not die, but have everlasting life. We have a Savior who knows the way to the Father's house. He leaves us to get ready for that day when he'll come to get us. We don't know when that will be, but it will be when the Father 
deems it right. Meanwhile, we can dare look forward to it. We can journey with our eyes on heaven. Perhaps you've had glimpses of heaven that whet your appetite. A magnificent sunset. A piece of music that totally transports you. The love of a friend who blew you away. A burning bush here or there. It is interesting to note that in Ecclesiastes 3, we read that God has already set eternity in our hearts. The Father's song is written on our hearts. Do you sometimes feel a bit like an exile or a foreigner here on earth? There's a hunger that there's a hunger for more. Perhaps that means that we will never be truly satisfied with earth. That our ears are straining for distant sounds. C.S. Lewis put it like this. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And in 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul puts it like this. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived... God has prepared for those who love him. A fifth dimension, full of mystery. No wonder we find it hard to understand right now. But for me, when life is tough, the hope of heaven brings me peace and perspective. And I hear Jesus gently saying, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. No, this world is not my final home. I'm just passing through. C.S. Lewis described heaven like this in the last battle. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all of my life, but I never knew it till now. Let us pray. A minute or two of silence to capture anything that struck you. Lord Jesus, we bring to you our doubts about heaven and perhaps our doubts about you, too. Thank you that you already know our struggles and love us to bits anyway. 
please come to each of us this morning and enable us to open up to your love, to know your transforming friendship, to trust that you have a definite place prepared for each of us, to anticipate a future with you where all will be well and all manner of things will be well. Lord, make us ready. I have heard so many songs, listened to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all, the Father's song, the Father's love, you sung it over me and for eternity it's written on my heart. Amen.